number 9, we're going to look at verse number 13. The Bible says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the river, or the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed. And we're prepared, look at this, for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part or the third part of the men of, of mankind, humanity. It says, in the number of the army of horsemen were 200,000 thousand, which would be 200 million. It says, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw horses in the vision and them that sat on them, it says, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by what? By fire and the smoke and by the brimstone, it says, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Look at verse 20 and 21. It says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and of silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Lord, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity. And God, we thank you for a wonderful day where we can come into your house and we can worship. Thank you, God, for the privilege of coming to the house to where we have the freedom to honor you, to glorify you, and to lift up your name. God, we ask you that this place of grace and place of mercy and a place of forgiveness, Lord, will also be a place of safety. God, it will be a place of refuge for people. Lord, those that are weathering storms in their lives so that they can come under here. And Lord, that they can hear the word of God and find comfort for their souls and peace and joy. Lord, for those that are sin sick, Lord, and tossed about by the waves of sin in their life, Lord, that have come into this place, Lord, let them find, Lord, a calm, a calm sea. Lord, let them find you. Let them find the Son, Jesus Christ, who, who died for their sins. Lord, I pray that you, as we open up this scripture today, and we've read it, God, we know that there's no more blessing that you could add to the scripture than what you've already given. But God, we need the understanding. We need the blessing of your understanding. We need the spirit of discernment and wisdom to see these things. God, we ask you, Lord, as we did already, Lord, to be with those that are sick. God, comfort them, heal them, and help them, Lord. But Lord, be with us today. Be with us, Lord, who are needy. We are your people, God, but we still need to know this word. Father, for those who are battling in this book of Revelation, Lord, those who are maybe not understanding it clearly, those who have even come to the point where they may think, what does it matter, I will not be here. I pray, God, especially for them today, to understand these things so that they can tell their children and their grandchildren and possibly even their great-grandchildren of these things. Lord, help us to blow the trumpet, Lord, of salvation, but also help us to blow the trumpet of warning to let people know that if they die without Jesus, they will die hopeless. And Lord, they would be headed for a devil's hell. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do for us. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us from the hour of wrath that is to come. In Jesus' name, we ask it all together. Amen. As you're being seated, you know, we're, we're preaching about the seven trumpets. And this is going to be, I think, part number three, may even be part number four. But we've talked about four trumpets that have already sounded. <clears throat> I don't really want to like, spend a whole lot of time this morning going back. I would rather maybe, you, if you come, maybe we could remember these things and, uh, and it would help you. But I try to do this all the time so that you can kind of get a hold of it. If you remember real quick... Uh, this, is, this is a test, okay? If you remember real quick, those seals that were opened up, 
when those seals were opened up, the first four seals, you remember, were the, were the horses that came out. The white horse, you remember, the red horse, then the black horse, then the pale horse. And then the fifth seal that was opened up were the souls of the martyrs that were underneath the altar. They were crying out to God, you remember. And then the sixth seal that was opened up was that the earth began to shake. And there was chaos in the heavenlies, in the stars and sun and moon. And there was chaos on earth, uh, earthquakes in different places. There was famine and wars and all this stuff. And the Bible says in Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 23 that Jesus said these are all just the beginning of the sorrows. And in the beginning of those sorrows, we know that the Bible teaches us in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Daniel. It also teaches us later on in the book of Revelation that there is a temple, a third temple that's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be supposedly in ignorance, going to be unto God, but yet it is actually going to be rebuilt unto the Antichrist because the Antichrist at halfway through this tribulation period is going to come in there and declare himself to be God. There's going to be a massive war that goes on in, in this earth. A lot of people are always looking for where the United States plays into this and how they look and all these things. I personally believe, looking at the United States, we were the Christians that came out, scattered abroad, and we came over here to advance the Christian faith. And I believe that we are supposed to be either one of two things. We are either a believer in Jesus Christ, which is a Christian, and we'll be raptured out of here, or we're an unbeliever and we'll be left behind. So we try to figure out where we play that role. That's where you play that role. You can be a believer or an unbeliever. And it's your choice to do that. And God Almighty, through his sovereignty, which means his power and his authority, has chosen to give you a choice to believe or to reject him. That's why. Because he is God. That's why Jeremiah said that he was separate from all the other gods. Because all of the other Greek gods, the Assyrian gods, and the Roman gods did not give choices. They demanded your belief. And see, God says... It's not a demand. And sometimes you look at the preacher and you say, well, in the invitation, Brother Steve, you're always saying we need to come, we need to accept. That's not a demand. That's a compelling. That is a, a, a pull and a draw saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because the bridge is out ahead and you need to be saved. Amen? And so in all of those six seals, we, saw, we talked about that. And then in that seventh seal, you remember that they were probably hoping that all things would have been ended. But then this whole other thing opened up, and it was trumpets. It was seven trumpets that came out of that seventh seal. And as the trumpets began to blow, you remember we've talked about these things. The first thing that happened was when the first trumpet blew, it, it rang out or it sounded out against all of the land. The Bible says that a third of the land and a third of the grass and a third of the, uh, the trees were what? They were burned up, you remember, by something that had fallen down from the fire and the, uh, uh, the hot coals that was from the censer of the altar in heaven. Amen? You remember that? The second one, whenever that second trumpet blew, it blew out against the seas of the earth. Remember John said that he saw something that looked like a mountain that was cast out into the sea. And when it went into the sea, it killed, what, a third of all of the creatures because the third of the seas were filled with blood. And you say, well, what could that be? People say, well, it could be atomic warfare or other things. But if you look at it scripturally, the Bible talks about Babylon, which is the modern-day Iraq today. They talks about Babylon being the mountain that was against God. It says that the mountain was thrown into the sea. We don't, we don't know, but we do know that from that area, there's going to be a huge uprising. And look, well, look <laughs> if you've not noticed, it's, it's been warming up for years and years and years from that area, right? The third trumpet sounded, and you remember that the Bible says that there was this star, this asteroid or meteor that came to the earth. It had a name called Wormwood. Remember, it meant bitterness, and it went into the fresh waters. It went into a third of the fresh waters so that they could not drink the waters. And many of the people died 
because they tried to drink the waters that were bitter because of this wormwood, this uh, uh, character, uh, characteristic of the, the bush or the tree that grows in Israel. And then the fourth trumpet sounded, and the Bible says that it, it rang, uh, rang out against all of the lights, that darkness. You remember that a third of the earth's day was more dark now, and so they had less time, and men's deeds and women and humanity became so sinful and because of the darkness they continued to do that but because of the darkness what happened crops began uh, to die off colder days all of this stuff began to happen and then last Sunday we talked about probably your favorite one of this whole series because I felt your enthusiasm and your joy we talked about a bottomless pit that opened up we talked about demons that came out of that pit and John describes them with the only descriptions that he could give he described them as locusts that were so many of them that they covered the, the light of the sky. Even darkness now was even more and more and more. He described them as horses prepared for battle. He described them as having men's faces, in other words, trying to relate and to be similar with everyone so that you would come to them. But it said that they had the hair of women because why? Being seductive and the use of that. Everything that God has given man and woman for glory and giving glory back to him, Satan is now twisting it all in the end day, in the end time of the tribulation, and he's using it to manipulate people. said that he had the teeth as the teeth of lions. Why? The Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He does not like you, he hates you, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. So that pit opens up, and there's this demonic force. But what is so awesome is that never forget, God's at the wheelhouse, and God is in control. He's not left, all right? He is the captain of the vessel, and what he says will happen will happen, amen? There is no iceberg that will ever, ever sway his boat from coming through. He's at the wheelhouse, and when we see the captain in the wheelhouse, Matt, and he smiles at us, we can smile back and know, hey, we can go and rest because the Lord is in command. Those demons could only hurt people for five months. You remember? After the service, I uh, had a friend of mine text me. He talked about that yellow Israeli scorpion. You remember that ugly little devilish thing that I was telling you about that grows about six inches long? And uh, looked up the official name for it, and being that Israeli yellow scorpion, and it has a certain scientific name to it also, but they call it the death stalker. And isn't it amazing that that death stalker is exactly what it's doing, is that its people were crying out, you remember last Sunday, to die. They were crying out to die, and they could not die, and death was fleeing from them. It's a horrible, horrible place to be in. But this morning, we are at the sixth trumpet. And I know this stuff may seem overwhelming to you. And I know this stuff may seem doom and gloom. But understand... Isaiah has already said that the day of the Lord is a great and terrible day, a day of darkness and a day of wrath. This stuff that we're talking about, we can't just cut it out of our Bible or we don't have a complete Bible. This stuff is not popular to preach about. This stuff is not like, hey, you know what? We're going to do a series on the seven trumpets. You know what I mean? Uh, we love to do series on what? On the trumpet blast of the priests as they marched around the walls of Jericho. But we don't want to talk about these trumpet blasts that God's going to blow against judgment against the world. Because why? Well, sometimes it troubles us. Sometimes it troubles us. So let me say something to you. If it troubles you so much to where you begin to go, Lord, I hope I'm saved, or Lord, I wonder if I'm saved, you need to nail that down. You need to make sure of that. You need to know that you are saved, amen? And if you are saved, listen to me, this shouldn't cause you to fear. 
If you're a child of God, the only fear that you could ever even think that it would cause would be fear of a person you know being left behind. And that fear would not be fear of, oh, no, I'm going to be here. It would be the concern for a person that you love and you don't want them to be left behind. You know, I know what some of us think sometimes. We look at these scriptures and you go, you know what, Brother Steve? This is getting too difficult. This is getting too hard. It's getting too deep, getting too heavy. Back in the 80s, we'd have said it was heavy. You know what I mean? In the 80s, you would have said it's not rad. It's just too heavy. And you would have went, man, I just don't know about that. And you know what you would do? You'd give up on it. Because a lot of people today give up when it gets hard. You give up and you walk away from it. I'm trying to encourage you. Don't say this statement ever. Well, Brother Steve, you know it. And if you know it, then that's fine with me. Don't say this statement. Well, Brother Steve, I don't need to know about all of that because if I'm raptured out of here in chapter 4 of Revelation, why do I need to know the other stuff? Listen, you may have a child or a grandchild. There may be somebody in this church or a friend that you meet that they need to understand and heed the warnings of God and know that if they don't get saved, when they say, why do I care? What's God going to do? You can show them that you're going to be in unbelief and you're not going to die in your sins and you're going, to, you're going to be punished for the sins that you die in. And you need to be able to share with them the truth. The sixth angel sound. The Bible says, I want you to look with me. This is what's going to happen. In verse number 13, the sixth angel sounds. And it says, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, altar which is before God. Look at what it says. It says that when the sixth angel sounded, this is different. This is really, really different. When the sixth angel sounded, all of a sudden, we see something that's kind of similar to when the fifth seal was opened up. When the fifth seal was opened up, nothing happened on earth. You remember that, Brother Craig? Nothing happened. There was no horses that were coming. You know, we had one, two, three, four, and there was horses that came out in appearance and the characteristic. But when the fifth one, it said what? It said, I heard the voices of the martyrs, those that were beheaded for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What? It says their voices were crying out from underneath the altar of God, underneath that altar of incense. Remember, we talked about that, that Jesus, our heavenly and earthly high priest, goes and offers the prayers of the saints, having the incense being given. And listen, he offers it up with what? With his sacrifice, with his blood. This is not talking about the outside altar where the sacrifice was, but every year when that sacrifice, which was the Day of Atonement, which Israel calls Yom Kippur, every year the high priest would come in with a with a robe on that was solid white, made out of linen, solid white, had a belt around his waist and a, and a, headband, a headgear, everything. The tunic was full. He didn't have the bells and didn't have the, the stones and the breastplate and all that. But when he went in, it was with this garment one time a year. And that garment was never to be worn again, Brother Mitch. They took that garment after he offered the sacrifice and then offered the blood in there upon the Holy of Holies on the Ark of the Covenant. They took that garment outside the gate and burned it. This garment was not one worn every day, but it was to be worn on that one day. And you know what he did? He went out there and got the blood of the sacrifice of that animal, and he walked into the holy sanctuary, which had the table of showbread here, had the altar, golden altar of incense here, and the menorah lampstand here, and he took his finger and he dipped the blood of the sacrifice outside that died as a burnt offering or a sin offering, and he took the blood and he tipped each horn that was on that small altar. It had four horns that were on the top of it. So now look at what the Bible says. When that sixth trumpet begins to sound, you can think, all right, what are we going to see? 
What are we waiting for? You know what? Whenever the first one sounded, the land was burned up. When a third of the land was burned up. When the second one sounded, uh, a third of the seas were turned to blood and death. When the third one sounded, a third of the fresh waters were turned to bitterness. And when the fourth one sounded, a third of what? All of these things were happening over fast, fast, faster and faster and faster. But then whenever that fifth one and the demons came out, listen, the Bible says that when the sixth one was open, look, I heard a voice. From the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. The Bible says that someone was standing at this golden altar that was before the throne of God. Someone was there. And the only one that could be there would be a high priest that would be offering the prayers of the saints. To come before this altar was a high priest that would offer the prayers of the saints. Now, some of us probably look at it like this. Brother Steve, could this be the voice of the angel that was back in chapter number 8? You remember he had the censer? The Bible says there was an angel, a messenger, Anglios, messenger that came. Could this be him? He had a censer, and, and, and unto him, the Bible says, there was much incense given, and unto him was given this, and he offered it with the prayers of the saints. Everything that that angel had, that angelic messenger had, all of it, Brother Craig, was given to him. It was given to him by someone. Who do you think that someone is? I personally believe it's Jesus Christ. You, why do you believe that, Brother Steve? Because the writer of Hebrews says, We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities, but in all points was tempted as with you and I, but he was without sin. The Bible says our high priest is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. Now some of you go, well, who in the world is Melchizedek? And who in the world is Aaron? You know, you think about that. Aaron was called to be a priest on earth. Melchizedek was called and had no beginning or no end. He was called the prince and king of Salaam. Okay? Some say Salem. Salaam. You know what Salaam means? It means peace in the Hebrew words. He was the king and prince of peace. The Bible says Abraham bowed down before this man and paid tithes unto him. And get this. This really burst your tithing bubble. Everybody thinks tithing wasn't giving until, or given until the Mosaic law was given of the Levitical people and people come to church nowadays and go, oh, that's Old Testament. That was given in the law. It wasn't given in the law. Abraham did it 400 years before the law was ever given. That's right. It's not a law. Tithing is not a law. Tithing is a matter of the heart. That's why in the New Testament, he clears it up even more. He said God loves what? A cheerful giver. Because it comes from the heart. Amen. Amen. God doesn't love what? A selfie giver. You know what a selfie giver is? Taking a selfie every time you do something good for God. God doesn't want that. God wants a cheerful giver. Amen. Listen, we got to get past that though. It's not about tithing today. Everybody's fine with that, right? I want you to understand who this is and who the voice is. The Bible says that the voice came from over by the four horns of the golden altar. Now, here's some of you could say, well, Brother Steve, what, what, what could it be the same voices of those martyrs? You remember, the Bible says when that fifth seal was opened up that the voice of the martyrs came out and they began to cry out and that's why God's getting the vengeance and stuff. I don't believe it to be so because if you look, when that fifth seal was opened, it says the martyrs were crying out from underneath the altar of God. But the Bible says this right here. It says this, this voice was standing in front of the four horns of the altar. 
And what is that representing? Sacrifice. If it's anyone's voice, church, it's the voice of the Lamb of God that was sacrificed. If it's anyone's blood that's crying out from the four points of those horns of the altar, it is the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who was without spot and without blemish. Amen. Glory be to the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world. It ain't the blood of the martyrs on those four horns. Amen. It's the blood of the sacrifice, which is Jesus. Right? You got it? Amen. Isn't that good? Listen, this is Jesus' voice because he is a high priest. What is he doing, church? He is interceding. Jesus is our intercessor. He is offering, Brother Reggie, an intercessory prayer. He is doing what Abraham did. God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What did Abraham do? Oh, God. Oh, God, please, if you find 50 righteous, will you spare it? If you find 40 righteous, will you spare it? Lord, my nephew's over there. Will you spare it? Will you spare it? He cried out as an intercessor, church. Jesus is doing that. These demons are wreaking havoc on the earth. They are harming people. And people are crying out. Instead of crying out for mercy, they're crying out in misery, crying out for death. And Jesus is there, Brother Craig, and he's before the altar, before his Father. He is offering prayers. Church, he's offering prayers. What, What kind of prayers would Jesus offer? Brother Mitch, you know what kind of prayers he offered? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what kind of prayers, what kind of statements he offered? Listen, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Jesus, in his loving heart, is not in heaven going, yes, they're getting what they deserve. Yes, they're getting judgment. They're going to suffer for what they did to me. No. Jesus said they didn't even do it to him. He said, no man takes my life. He said, I freely laid it down. So Jesus is not looking for vengeance upon his life, church. He died so that we could live. Amen? Listen. And whenever he's standing before this altar, I believe he's making intercession during that first time, that fifth seal, and all those other things that are going on. All of a sudden, church, they're not repenting. They don't want to repent. He's waiting for the fullness of time. Don't forget God Almighty is in control. He's in the wheelhouse. The captain's in the wheelhouse, and he's in control. Church, the Bible says that there was a cry that came out from that altar. Here's the second thing. Demons now are loosed at the Euphrates. Some of you say, well, Brother Steve, look look at what the Scripture says. It says, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. It, it, It says to loose them. You know what that means? Untie them. Okay? Unhitch them. Loose them. Where at? At the great river of Euphrates. Now, some of us, we don't understand this. We don't understand this. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Boy, ain't you thankful? I'm thankful that it doesn't say loose them at the Warrior River. Huh? There's enough devils down there. <laughs> he says, loose it at the great river, Euphrates. Why? What does this have anything to do with the scriptures that we're talking about. In creation, that great river Euphrates is mentioned of pouring out of the Garden of Eden. See, in creation it's mentioned, but in the culmination it's mentioned. You know what, that, you know what God is doing to me in that? God is saying, Steve, you think this book and this time frame is so large. You even have people that talk about the billions of years that it is old and all this stuff. But really from here to here, 
all things are going to be created and culminated, and it's going to be very simple. When we went to Israel years ago, I'll never forget, I thought, I'll never see anybody that I know. You know, my dad's with me. I'll never see anybody that I know. You know, all of a sudden we were at the Dead Sea and somebody comes up and says, hey, there's a lady over there that knows y'all. I said, she don't know us. You know, she said, oh, she knows y'all. She walked around the corner and in like almost the best Paula Dean voice, hey, y'all. And I went, she might. <laughs> and where my grandmother grew up down in Thorsby, Alabama, Hutt Strickland, a NASCAR race car driver, it was his mama. And we're sitting there talking to her, eating bread and and we don't know what else what it was we were eating. But, and I was like, isn't that amazing? We get, we get on a bus, a shuttle bus, to take my dad to McDonald's at the U.S. Embassy, which then was in, uh, at the Dead Sea. We, drive, we go all the way down there, and these Jewish girls, Israeli girls, are on the bus, and they go, where are you from? And we go, Alabama. And they go, oh, sweet home Alabama. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you can't get away. We go to Abraham's tent, and there is a 50s diner with Elvis on top of it. And I'm like, it's just not right. People see doing on the, ga- on the Sea of Galilee. And I'm like, this is a sacred place, you heathens, you know. But what it shows you is that, what is it? What is the old phrase? It's a small world. I-, I can't take my dad anywhere without knowing somebody, someone, everywhere you go. Because it's a small world. Listen, church, it- it's very small. We look at this as so large. It really is very small. You know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 2, verses 10 through 14, you got it there in your notes. It says, And a river went out of Eden into the water of the garden, to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. It says, The name of the first was Pishon. It says, That is that which compasseth the whole land of Havilah. It says, And and where there is gold. Wouldn't you like? I'd like to go there. And the gold of that land is good. I bet it is. It says there's Bedlam, and it says an onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. It says in the same is that compasses that the whole land of Ethiopia. It says in the name of the third river is Hedekel, and we talk about that a lot. And it says that is that which goeth uh, toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. What, what God is showing us is that, listen, he's very precise about his stuff. God's not giving you something and giving you some other crazy place. But this land is actually, if you want to think with me just for a moment, we're we're running out of room. Out of Israel, what happened? We know that in that area of Babylon, Iraq, modern-day Iraq, in that area, uh, we believe that man was created, came out of there, Garden of Eden, those rivers there. We know that God called Abraham out of the land of Ur. He came out into Jerusalem, went down into Egypt. God delivered them out of Egypt. We know that the descendants of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they scattered out. If you've been here, you've understood. We've talked about that in the past, in this past year on Wednesday nights. Um, all of these things happened, and people were dispersed out everywhere. And then all of a sudden, Christianity came out of Israel. It went out into the world. It went to Rome. It went to the uttermost parts of the world, Samaria. Then, what do we do? We get on a boat back in the 1400s, 1500s. We come all the way over here to advance the Christian faith. We set out on this land. You know what? Let me tell you something. There's nowhere else for us to go. <laughs> we, got, we got nowhere else to go but up. Church, it's, it's not as big as you think. It's not as large as you think. It's actually going to come to a culmination from where it started. You say, Rusty, what do you mean? The Bible says in Isaiah, it says God has declared the end from the beginning. God knows all of these things. It's us who are catching up to God to understand all of this stuff. He says in that scripture that he says that these demons will be released at a precise time. It says that there is a precise time that they're going to be loosed. Look, it says, and the four angels were loosed. 
It says they were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year. That doesn't mean take that total, church, and add up a year and a month and a day and a time, an hour, okay? It doesn't mean that. What it means is actually in the Greek, it says that they were prepared for the very hour. In the Greek, it says they were prepared for the very day, for the very month, for the very year. What this is showing you is that God has bound these demonic angels for a precise time. You say, Brother Steve, why wouldn't they just be angels? What separates it? Because you say that these angels over here are just angels. What makes these angels demons or demonic angels? Because it says they're bound. The Bible nowhere says that God's angels are bound except for Satan and his angels and his demons are bound. That's why these angels are bound. But God, listen to me, you're looking at it and you're thinking that God is, is mean because he's going to use these evil angels and demonic beings or these demonic creations that they're going to go out and they're going to do this. And, and you're looking at God as being mean. Understand, church, God did not create them to be demons. God did not, nowhere in creation did it say that he created angels and he created demons. It doesn't say that because the Bible says that God is good, okay? He did not create them that way. They became that way on their own disobedience to God when Satan tried to exalt himself above God and he fell with one-third of those angels. God did not create mankind, humanity, men and women, corrupted and wrong and sinful. No, they made a choice to be corrupted and wrong and sinful because of what? Because of disobedience. God is not making these demons do this. God is giving evil for evil. You understand what that means? Is that people that have desired evil are going to get what they wanted. People that have desired life, is there anyone in here who has desired life with God? Eternal life in heaven, salvation. Anyone here born again, ready to go home and to see the face of their Savior Jesus Christ? To see also loved ones around the throne of God? Let me tell you something, you're going to get what you've always wanted someday. But if you do not desire Him, then you're going to get that also. And God is going to repay evil with evil. He tells us that. Church, what else does he tell you? He says, every word, every idle word you've ever spoken, what will happen to you? You'll be judged. You'll be judged by every idle word. What does it say? That you've spoken. What does that mean? It's not that God is judging you on some kind of standard that he's got this scale rule out and he's judging you on that. No, he's taking you and very things that you've desired, the very sin, the very things that you want to do. God's going to judge you by those sinful things, but words you said. He's going to judge you by your words. Thank God he's not going to judge you by my words. He's going to judge you by what you said. And he's going to judge you by what else? Two books. He's going to judge you by what? Your life that's been presented, but he's going to judge you by the word of God. He's going to judge you by this word and what you know in this word. Listen, Galatians chapter number 4, verses 3 and 5 says this, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the, under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The key word in that is, is that God is precise, Sister Darla, God is on time because it happened when the fullness of time was come. 
Do you remember that God told Abraham that he was going to go into the land, and when he went into the land, what did he tell him? He told him, Brother Craig, he said, someday all this is going to be yours, but not until 400 years it's going to go to your children. God gave him a reason. Anybody know what the reason was? He says, until the iniquity of the Amorites are full. You know what he was saying? He's giving them opportunity with grace and mercy to repent. But when their iniquity has fulfilled itself, where they have finally erased the line in the sand that God has drawn, he says, then you will go back and you will inherit that land. God has a timing. Amen? And I am so thankful, church, that God's timing is greater than our time. You can look at your watch all day long, but God's timing is greater than that. Amen? Your watch may be synced up with Big Ben, but God's timing is greater than that. Notice the second thing. God says that there is also prepared. These angels or demons were prepared for a purpose task. These demons had a specific task at the Euphrates where they were going to begin and go out to do, and it was to do what? They were going to kill, slay or kill one-third of humanity. Listen, the angels were prepared, loose, it says, were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year. What? For to slay the third part of men, the third part of mankind. If you remember back, church, you'll know <clears throat> that according to the Scriptures, oh, don't go there yet, according to the Scriptures, that it says when the sixth seal the seal was opened up that a fourth of humanity were killed. And now the Bible says a third of humanity were killed. So that would teach us what? You remember that fourth was like 1.7 billion that were gone. Another 1.7 billion or possibly 2 billion gone. That means over, almost half or right at half of the earth's population in the middle of this tribulation period are gone. Death. This world stinks and reeks of death. Bodies of stinking. All of this stuff. Death. Buzzards flying. Corpses lying. All of that stuff. A third part. Half the earth's population at this time, they're killed. And then the Bible says what? that an army is going to be assembled. An army is going to be assembled. Look at the verses that tell us about this army. We're going to close in just a minute. Y'all stay with me. Always hang in until the end, okay? Uh, I know some of y'all, uh, it might be like old Yeller, just hang in until the end of it all. He had a puppy, okay? Just hang in there. It says, in the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. And in our terms, it's 200 million. And I want you to be... Uh, looking at the last part, John was not exaggerating. He said, I heard the number of them. In other words, as the voice called out the number, he said, I knew that this is how many were there. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world. It says against wickedness or spiritual wickedness in high places. Some of you look at me and you go, all right, Brother Steve, the army of 200 million, is that demons or is that men and women, mankind, humanity. If you would, listen to me, would you believe me if I told you it was both? And you say, what do you mean? I believe looking at the scriptures that this demons that were unleashed last week in the fifth, when they could not hurt, they could not kill, that now all of this demonic activity, because why? Because these angels that are gathered for the specific time at the three and a half mark, specific, 
that now they are possessing men and women of this earth. And all of a sudden, they begin to start doing a flight or fight action. They begin a reaction. They begin to go, you know what? We're going to have to preserve ourselves. We're going to have to do something. And they begin to gather up an army. Did you know in Time Magazine, 1965, they actually came out with an article that I went back and I read because I heard uh, uh, another commentary. I read another commentary it talked about it. So I looked up the magazine article. It talks about a writer says that in 1965, the uh, nation of China said that they could assemble a 200 million person army. You think about it. People go, well, Brother Steve, will it be Russia? Will it be China? Will it be what? It, let me tell you who it will be. I don't know if it's all going to be Russia because we know Gog and Magog. We know that they talk about that, and those are places that are there now. Tubal, all these other places in Russia. We know that it could be in China. We know that, listen, Iraq, all those other things. Is, I'm going to tell you who it is. You ready for this? Unbelievers. It's going to be an army of unbelievers. You don't need to try to look so deep into it and go, well, who's it going to be so I can watch out for them? It's going to be unbelievers. It's going to be the rest of the people that are left, and they're going to begin to think, what do we need to do in order to survive? And they're going to build this army up. Church, pay attention. Listen to me. Pay attention. They're going to build an army up to where they're going to attack the earth system, religious system. Satan's going to come into the temple, and he's going to declare that he is God. Listen, and there's going to be a battle that happens. But these people are so blinded by their own pride and by their own reaction to stay alive that you know who they're going to want to fight against? They are now assembling together as the Avengers of the earth in Marvel comic books. They're going to fight against God. This army of people, 200 million, demon-possessed, they think that they're going to fight against God Almighty. They're assembling themselves together to do this. You remember the Bible says that Daniel talked about, he said, when I was praying, he said, finally the angel of the Lord came to him. We're going to talk about this this Wednesday. The angel of the Lord came to him, Gabriel, and told him, he said, I was hindered. Because why? I was fighting against the prince of Persia, lowercase prince of Persia. And he said, listen, if it wasn't for Michael coming in and helping me, I would still be there fighting him now, but I am now come to give you understanding about what's going to happen. You know who the prince of Persia was? It wasn't Cyrus. Cyrus was the king of Persia. The prince of Persia was the demonic force that was driving Cyrus and all of Babylon and all of the Assyrians in order to do all of their evil. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says, and after the prince of Persia, that demon is in him, then Greece is going to rise up, and that prince of Greece, demonic forces. Church, there are demonic forces that are at hand. That Listen, how can you explain someone that would drop gas on their own people? How can you explain that? That's not just a dictator's kind of mind. How can you explain six million Jews walked off the face of the earth all because someone says they didn't like them? No, he was driven with a demonic force behind him. Hitler was driven and possessed by the devil. Saddam Hussein told his people, two people that went in to speak to him, an ambassador that would take his place, and also one was the governor and the leader of the country that he gassed his own people. He walked, they walked in there to speak to him one at a time before they hung him, before they killed him, and they asked him, how could you have done these things to your own people? How could you have done this, and what would you have me to tell the people of Iraq? And his last words were, you can tell Iraq to go to hell. Why? Because that's what he wanted all of them to go with him. That's not a cuss word. I wasn't saying anything flippantly or, or carelessly. 
But what the devil wants is all people to join him. And so he, what, allows his demons to possess people today to bring them into that place. That's why, church, let me say, say something to you. That's why when you look at the one that looks different than you, the one who has something wrong with them, and you can see that, it's because they're being bound up by the devil, and they need freedom. They need salvation. Listen, what could John be looking at in this scripture? Look at with me. The Bible says that he saw horses in the visions, and them that sat on them, they had breastplates like fire and jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses, look, it says were like heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. It's not Shrek and Donkey trying to cross that, that you know, little canyon to get over there to save Fiona. No, it says, by these three, look, third part of men were killed. By what three? God gives you the definition. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone. How could someone be killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone? We look at Sodom and Gomorrah and we understand that God's judgment rained down, fire and smoke and brimstone. But also, could John be looking at a military of people killing? And as the fire, the bullets fly out of the muzzle and the fire flies out of the muzzle and the smoke of the smoking gun or the smoking tanks, listen, or that yellow, that sulfuric smell of all of that stuff coming out, could it be that he's seeing a war take place on this earth? In modern warfare of today. Even in this scripture it says their mouths had the power. And they had power in their tails. He says it was as if they could shoot out the front when they were facing you. But it's as if they could turn all the way around. Almost in the sense of like a tank and turn around and shoot back to you. Church I'm telling you something. It could be those things. And I don't want to make you fear. But it could be those things. And if it is those things John was seeing. Don't you know we have those? Don't you know that that should drive you to go, you know what, hey, maybe I should wake up a little bit and realize life is not about all this other stuff, but we need to get our families ready to meet the Lord right now in grace and salvation. We ought to gather around the pastor, and we ought to gather around the preachers, we ought to pray for them as they preach the truth of God's Word, warning and telling of all of these things coming up. I need to go home and tell my mama, I need to tell my daddy, I need to tell my sister or my brother, I need to tell my uncle that's lost, and he's got a hangover this morning, because if all this stuff is true, what John is seeing, warfare, we've got to be there. All that stuff. It says, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. It was saying that they come out of everywhere. But the problem is this right here. Their hearts were so callous, they would not repent. Their calloused hearts, they wouldn't repent. Listen, God has had mercy. God has had mercy on us. We sing about it. God shed his grace on thee. God's had mercy on us as Christians. In these United States, God has had mercy upon the world. God is a merciful God. When some are ready to kill at a moment, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. But God, someday, that line that is drawn in the sand, and he says, you cannot cross, and we keep trying to erase it. God, someday, Brother Lee, he's going to say, that is enough. It is enough. It is enough. And it's going to be finished. Church, I'm going to give you these last three things. Three things Brandon's going to come. Look at... Look, John describes the conviction of humanity, their convictions. Look at how he puts it in verse number 20, I think it is. It says, the rest of them which were not killed, it says, by the plagues, it says, yet they repented not of the works of their hands. Man. Brother Bill, all this stuff that's happened, all of this judgment that's happened, and all of these things that they have seen, 
Surely by now they know that there is a God and that he is judging and that they should come running to him. That they should come running in mercy and throwing themselves at the mercy of the court. After all that's done, Andrew, the judgment, the chastising, and trying to bring them back, the conviction is not there. They didn't repent. They would not repent. How could they continue? Listen, church, how could they continue to do evil? What is it going to take for these people to repent? What's it going to take for folks to repent? Have you ever asked yourself that question about a friend or a family member? What's it going to take? Man, I've been in hospital visits. I've been in home visits. People just one thing after another, after another, after another. And I look at them and I go, what more has to happen to you for you to understand God's being gracious to you? They wouldn't repent. Why? Because the conviction of humanity was not there. The, the, the second thing is this. Listen, John describes the callousness of their heart. He says their heart becomes so callous. You know what? It's like it's beaten and beaten and beaten, and now it's flatlined. Look at what they're doing. You, know, you want to know what's going on during the tribulation time? This. It says they would not repent of the works of their hands. It says that they should not worship devils, idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood. Which cannot what? See, hear, or walk. He says that people in this tribulation time, these unbelievers, these ones that have even came all the way, Brother Matt, to this point, the halfway point, they're still worshiping false idols. Do you remember David Burrow that came here the other day, the missionary, that his wife had a tumor and they told her there was no hope, she was going to die? Do you remember he, he, he's from India, so Hinduism is, is rampant. You remember what he did? You remember what he said he did? He said he walked in there to all those gods that he worshipped, the ones of silver and gold and wood and all that. He says that he threw them all down on the floor and said, you know, help me. You know, bring help to me. And he called out on the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, and his wife is still alive today. What John was saying right here, he said, people are still, because of the hardness and callousness of their heart, they're going to be walking. They're going to be calling out on devils and on idols of gold and silver and wood and stone. And John describes it as this. And he says, and they can't even see what these people are going through. And God can. God cares for you. And he sees what you're going The eyes of the Lord are upon them all. Listen, he says they're calling out on gods who can't even hear them. They can't hear. They're made out of wood. They can't hear. And he says, and God says his ear is not deafened and he can hear you. They're calling out on a God who can't even walk. It just sets wherever you put it. He says, but he's saying that, listen, this, the God that you need to call on came walking in the cool of the day and said, Adam, where art thou? Amen. The God that we know came walking upon the earth, healing people, walked all the way up to Calvary and died for all of our sins. John is saying the condition of these people, their hearts have become seared and conscience has become seared and calloused and they're flatlining. Look at the last thing is this. He describes the condition of their hearts. He said, brother, isn't that the same thing? No, he was describing that callousness of their hearts, but the condition of their hearts is found right here. Stay with me. We leave. He says they didn't repent of their murders. Murders being killing. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. Is what that means. You know what this is talking about? John is talking about they cared nothing for life. They cared nothing for the life of a woman. 
They would take the life. They would abuse that life. They would do whatever they want. Where they ever, God knows we're there now. God knows we've seen it in the last few months in the state of Alabama. We've prayed harder for these things that are going on all over the world. And they're hitting us and they're happening to us now. And it's becoming a little bit more closer to home. And you pray for your daughters when they go out to the gas station. They had no value of life. They had no value of the life in the womb. Remember I told you that Daniel said that they would even get to the point where they were killing the babies and boiling them. Do you remember? Horrible things. Look at the next thing it says. They wouldn't repent of their sorceries. This word in the Greek is pharmakia. You know what it is? The word for pharmacy. It's the word for drugs. It says that in the end times, in the tribulation time, that they will love their drugs that the pharmacy that they can bring together and that they can make. Listen, there are people hooked on meth and heroin and other things now in our lifetime, now more than there has been. It's over and over and over. And there's more deaths in the state of Alabama. Every year that we grow, there's more deaths from overdoses of heroin and opiates. Church says that they will not repent. Why? Because they will not want to turn away from their pharmacia, their pharmacy, their sorceries. Listen, the third thing is, it says they will not turn away from their fornications. You know what that Greek word is? Pornea. It's porn. Pornography. They will not turn away from the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. It says that they will be willing to do whatever they can. And as they think that it's the last days, they would rather have that sin. And the last thing it says, they won't, they won't repent of their thefts. In this time, Brother, Brandon, or Brother Brian, in this time, what's going to happen is, is all of them are going to be going around. They're going to be stealing. They're going to be killing. Because why? Because if the mark of the beast, the food resources, the, uh, the food supplies and all that are going to be at a low. And they're going to be killing. They're going to be pillaging. They're going to be doing horrible things. That's why Jesus says it's going to be a day like never before. Let me, let me close with this this morning. And we're going to, we're, I'm going to invite you to come and talk to the Lord. Listen, I invite you if, you, if you don't know Jesus. And, and what I mean by that is that I, I want you to be assured that he knows you. I want you to know this fact that he knows you. And that even though he knows you, he loves you. And that's good. Because he loves you in spite of who you are. And he loves you in spite of what you've done. He loved Zacchaeus, who was a thief. He loved Matthew, who was a tax collector. He loved Peter, who was a loud mouth. He loves you. He loves you. He loved Judas. Called him a friend when he kissed him on the cheek. He said, friend, why have you come? He loved you. He loves you. If you don't know him, I'm asking you to say, Lord, I love you too. Please save me. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I accept him as my Savior. In other words, it's not by anything that I can do. It's by your grace. I trust it and believe it. It's not by my works. It's not by baptism or church membership or tithing. No, no, no. I do those things because I love you and I'm committing, committing my life to you and I'm going to follow whatever you command. And see, if you can say today that you're saved but yet you're not following his command, then are you really saved because he says, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? I don't think that you can really be saved if you say you are and you don't do what he says. But I want, you, I want to leave you with this. What do you, what do you think? This is a horrible thought. But what do you think people... Today in hell are doing. Somebody said something to me the other night about the rich man that he is still in hell ever since Luke. He's been in. He's been there. He's not. He's not been freed. And that's not something that we get joy out of. Hopefully, it, it really. When I made that statement, hopefully it, it, it squeezed your heart. If you're a child of God, I believe it would press on your heart, and you go, "Man, I, 
I don't even want to think about that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to think about that. But the Bible gives us an understanding of what's going on. Wouldn't you think that in hell people would be going, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. But the Bible says that when the rich man was in hell, never once did he ask for forgiveness. Never once did he say, I'm sorry. The only thing he asked for, Brother Edwards, he said, I need some water, just a drop of water. And the other thing is send Lazarus back to tell my brothers so they don't come here. But never, never in hell did he ask for, let me out, help me, mercy, grace. You know, the Bible says that sixth trumpet sounds. In Matthew chapter 31 and 41, verse 41 and 42, look at what it says. It says, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of the kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, sin, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Don't you look at that last part, the wailing and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says that right now in hell, people are wailing, groaning out cries of pain, wailing in pain, moaning in pain. But then it says they're gnashing their teeth. They're angry with God as though God has done this. And they are gnashing their teeth at him. They are rejecting him through all of eternity. Gnashing their teeth. Wailing. That's horrible. You would think, when, were you, when, when are you going to see him for the gracious God that he is? And you know what? Same thing happens here. I say, will you come to Jesus? Give the invitation time. People look. They get angry. They get mad. Storm out. Leave out. Go out in the middle of service. All kinds of stuff. People get mad. I've had people get mad at me. Point their finger in my chest. How dare you preach that? How dare you do those things? And I look at them and go, it's because I love you. It's because I'm trying to show you the love of Christ. I'm not... You don't see me up here dancing around because people are dying and going to hell. No, no, no. You'll see me in my study and in my office and in my home and in my rock altar in prayer out there saying, God, please continue to be merciful. Please continue to be gracious. Please continue to call people all the time. Every time I come before you with the word of God on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, on a Monday, at a brotherhood breakfast or at some kind of thing that we're having every time that I come with the word of God, I come in the spirit of the Lord praying first saying, God, please touch the hearts of people. You do the work. In my Bible, it says you do the work that I can't do over and over and over. Why? Because of one reason. I don't want anybody, not my enemy, not my best friend to ever, ever be in that position or even in the tribulation. Can't you see that God loves you? Can't you see that God didn't build some kind of rules up to keep you out of this junk that's in the world of alcoholism and drugism and all that stuff just to make you feel like, oh, you can't have fun in this world? No, God says stay away from that so you'll have a clear and sober mind while you walk with him and serve him and worship him. Amen? God wants to help you and God wants to bless you. This may sound like the sixth trumpet, like the doom, but oh, it should do this to you. God, I'm thankful. God, I pray together with all the people here that I am thankful. I am so thankful that you have